Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. You're not gonna get to 50 houses doing what you did to get to five. It takes a different approach. Just like we talked in the beginning, the market can make you, maybe make you change your, change your approach, but your goals will make you change your approach. A five house a year company never becomes a 50 house a year company without changing their organization, without hiring, without delegating, without creating processes and systems. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited about the show that I'm bringing you today. We are doing another Q&A replay. Uh, we do a Q&A live on Facebook every single Wednesday. And uh, we do that at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And then I take those uh, Q&As and I bring them to you here because I think there's a lot of a lot of value in uh, at least being a fly on the wall during a Q&A so you can hear what other people are asking, the kind of questions, things that they're challenged with in their business. Because a lot of times we don't even know what we don't know, right? So sometimes hearing those questions that other people have can be really, really helpful. And I know that's true because the downloads and the popularity of this Thursday episode where I do the replays of my Wednesday's my Wednesday Q&As uh, is really, really downloaded highly. So I know you guys are enjoying it and I'm excited about that. And this was a fun one. Uh, we talked about changing your market strategies with the current market environment that we're in. In. We talked about um, getting your spouse on board and uh, what that looks like when maybe your spouse isn't 100% excited about what you're trying to do here in real estate. What do you do to get them on board? How do you talk? How do you have that conversation? Uh, and then we we talked about why it's important to make offers on every single wholesale deal in your market. And you may not, you know, you may be a wholesaler, so it doesn't necessarily apply to you. But if you're a house flipper or a landlord or anybody else who's who wants to buy properties and, and flip them or do something to hold on to them, uh, you should be working with wholesalers right now. It is probably the number one way to get off-market deals. And you should be very, very aggressive. Make offers on everything. Even if what they're asking is just way too high, make an offer for what that makes sense to you, right? And we had that whole conversation back and forth uh, on this Q&A as well. And, and a bunch of other questions, a bunch of other cool questions and really interesting stuff. Uh, but I won't give it all away. I will let you listen to it. So here we go. Wednesday replay of our Q&A. Okay, we are live. Welcome back. I appreciate you coming back to my Q&A. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, I appreciate you guys hopping on here and asking questions. As you know, we get questions throughout the week. We get people DMing uh, and just asking in various ways. And we put these in here so you guys can all benefit from the answers. I could just send them a quick DM back, but it's just one person getting one you know benefit. So we bring it here so you guys can all benefit from it. And if you log on live during this time, then I prioritize your questions. If you have questions for me, you can get here live every single Wednesday. Ask them and I will... Uh, 
jump on that. We'll we'll talk. We'll have a conversation back and forth, and you can get your real estate questions answered. If you are interested in working with me at a, at a more deeper level, you want to get more help, you really want to blow your business up this year. If you've started and you're kind of a one-man band and trying to do it all yourself, and you just don't know how to structure the company, you don't know how to hire, you don't know how to delegate, you don't know how to create systems and processes, and all the things it takes to go from maybe flipping a couple of houses here and there, maybe just wholesaling one or two here and there, and you just don't have any way of scaling that up, and you can't escape the nine to five because you can't scale it up, right? It's hard. It becomes sort of a side job more than it is a business. But if you want it to be a business, if you want to learn how to take this small business that you're running now and make it a seven-figure business, I can help you with that. I've created a program. It's called Seven Figure Investor. If you go to the website, seven, that's the word seven spelled out, seven figure investor.com. Uh, you can check out the program. You can see what it's about. It's starting very, very soon though, guys, this is going to go live like tonight, right? But we're like two weeks away from launching that program, two or three weeks away from launching that program. So don't wait very long. It's going to fill up. Uh, and once I launch it, I don't know when the next, next launch will be. So sign up now, go and check it out. I know you're going to love it. If you're trying to scale up your business, I know what that's like. I know how hard it can be. I spent years trying to figure out how to go from sort of doing this as a hobby on the side in addition to working my butt off nine to five to making it into something that could give me total financial freedom and i want to show you how to do that i want to teach you how to do that and we can get that done so that 2022 is the year that you finally took control of your life so go and check it out sevenfigureinvestor.com that's the word seven spelled out okay let's dive into the questions that i have here like i said if you are logged in here live, guys, just go ahead and ask questions whenever you want. Um, don't wait for me to finish. You don't have to do that. And uh, I'll get them answered for you. All right. Here we go. Boy, I'm looking at my screen. is not showing me questions. Okay. All right. Here we go, guys. First question. It seems like the market is slowing down in my area. Are you seeing the same in Michigan? That's where I'm from, Michigan. Are you seeing the same in Michigan? Um are you changing your marketing strategies to find deals or buyers? Uh, the short answer is yes, we have changed our marketing strategies. When COVID hit, it kind of changed things for a lot of investors and for a lot of businesses for that matter. Businesses went out of business. Other businesses had to learn how to be a little more lean. They had to do work from home stuff when they were typically brick and mortar. So it is different. And I had to learn how to adjust just like every other business. And for us, that meant a lot more inbound leads and the way that we get those is through pay-per-click. So we do Google AdWords every month. And that's bringing us right now the vast majority of our leads. It used to be direct mail. Direct mail is not uh, running or driving our business like it used to, which is fine because when the market changes like it has, right, it's gotten very, very strong. When the market changes, you just have to change your approach sometimes. It doesn't mean you're going to go out of business or that real estate doesn't work or anything like that. The market is always fine. There's nothing wrong with the market ever. It's just the way that you approach it. So for us, we realized when COVID hit and the market changed, we realized that direct mail wasn't working for us so well. It wasn't working as well as it used to. So we just switched our, our model up a little bit and we started doing a little bit more pay-per-click, well, a lot more pay-per-click. And we also... Uh, started doing cold calling, which was working really real well for us. We started focusing a little bit uh, more on follow-up, right? Because we're a company that's been around for a little while now. So we have this 
you know, tons and tons of people who have reached out to us in the past and we just couldn't get um, couldn't get a deal done for whatever reason. It just wasn't the right time for the seller is typically the reason. And we can go back into our archives and go back into our um, all of our old seller leads and just start working those leads. And that really turned into a great lead source for us. And then most recently we have started doing radio ads. Um, my partner is the one who handles the radio ads, so I don't have a lot of great in-depth uh, information to share with that other than to say it's actually working really really well for us right now so I, if that's not something you've considered it's something you may want to look into but uh, unfortunately I can't go deep into the weeds on that but just that's what we're doing and so yeah I've had to change um, I've had to change some things that I'm doing because of the way the market is but I would say this if things are slowing down and and you're just you know having trouble most problems in real estate investing when it comes to leads or deals or cash flow or revenue most of those problems can be solved through more aggressive marketing do more right sometimes when you're in this market and everyone knows they can sell their house for a ton of money it becomes tougher to find people who are willing to sell at a deep discount okay i had this conversation just earlier uh, with a past client of my program and i was telling her the exact same thing she just wasn't doing enough volume of marketing to get the results that she wanted so it just it really goes back to it's a numbers game so that that's what i would say but as far as changing my strategies yes we had to change our strategies i think most investors over the last couple of years had to change their strategies Okay, next one from Niju. How you doing, man? Welcome back. You are becoming a regular. I think we need to give you some sort of a prize. You're you're here all the time, and I love it. So thank you. Uh, question from uh, our last call, uh, our call last week regarding radio ads. Oh boy, could you provide some background on cost and budget? So I don't know if you just heard my last answer, but I don't really have that information at the tip of my tongue because I'm not the one that's spearheading that in my company. My partner is spearheading that. And so I don't have those numbers for you right now. If you send me a DM, I can gather that information and have it ready for the next live if you really want to hear those numbers. But my numbers are going to be different than your numbers for sure. Um, but I think rough numbers uh, as far as budget, I believe we're, we're in the four to $5,000 a month range for our budget, I think. And we're on two radio stations right now. So it's two separate radio stations, but it's really going to depend on your, the station that you're on. And I know you're, you're local to me. So um, the station that you're on and the hours that they've committed to getting your ads in, right? So if you're in prime time, it's going to cost more than if you agree to let them run ads at three o'clock in the morning, it's going to be cheaper because they can't really sell time at that time of the day, right? So there's a lot of factors that go into it, but my, I just, had a meeting with my partner at the end of the year and i believe that right now we're in that four to five thousand dollar spend range and i think we're getting you know like a deal a month maybe maybe two but probably more like one to one and a half on average so it's it's like a two times multiple right now for us which isn't phenomenal but it's also set it and forget it okay we're not like having to resend out mail or, or do anything over and over again we create the ad we we give it to the radio station they you know they play it all throughout the day and various days and we just get phone calls but it's also a credibility thing it helps us a little bit we can put that on our website we can put it on any mailings that we do we can talk to folks in their home and say hey did you hear us on the radio even if we know they didn't we still say it because it there's a little bit of credibility there so there's a lot of reasons to do it um but getting deals is the number one and i think right now we're like a two to two and a half multiple maybe on our spend which again isn't awesome but we're just kind of getting started and figuring it out 
Okay. Uh, next question. Starting my own real estate business has been a lifelong dream for me, but my wife is just not feeling it. She is so, uh, she's afraid of losing money. How can I help convince her uh, we can build something really awesome for our family? Okay. So this is a really interesting and kind of a complicated question. And it's one of those questions that's really better if I can have some back and forth with the person to better understand. But I, I sort of get it. Honestly, it, it wasn't that much different when I got started. My wife was really afraid of losing money too, but she wasn't holding me back. So I think the key is you, she doesn't necessarily have to see all of your dream and completely buy into every bit of it. But what you need from any spouse right now is when you're getting started, you need their buy-in and they're okay that you can do it, right? They may not be in love with it and that may not be their dream. And maybe they don't even believe it's going to work. But the key is not necessarily that they believe it like you do. The key is that they're supportive and they just say, do it. I support you. I love you. I trust you. And I don't know that I totally have bought in, but I'm not going to step in your way. I'm not going to make life hard for you. I'm not going to you know, say things to you that frustrate you or really drag you down when you're trying to get this done. So if you can at least get that, that's that's key. But if you really want her to buy in, and this is what I did, and it's not it's not deceptive. It's not a trick, but it's just the fact of the matter is you're the spouse. So what you say, she may not believe it. So you need to put her in a room, in an environment with people who are already doing it and doing it successfully. You spend a day, uh, a, a dinner time, or even like a weekend at a mastermind with a group full of people who are all doing it successfully. And she is able to not just hear it from you, right? Who you've never done it. Maybe you don't know what you're talking about. She can hear it from people that are living it right now. And she can ask questions and get a better sense of, of security that it, it actually can be done. And it's very possible and that you can do it too. So that's kind of what I did. My wife and I uh, took a, a weekend um, mastermind training. It was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was led by a successful real estate investor and she could just ask questions and talk about talk to other people who were in the same boat who are also trying to get where we we're trying to go and it, it helped a lot it made a big difference because you could talk to your bull in the face sometimes and it's like your spouse knows you've never done it and so it's hard to totally believe you and buy in without seeing a little bit of proof and that's totally normal um but if you can't get in that room or get in that mastermind with people but by the way if, if you go to something like flip hacking live that's not till october but if you go to something like that too it's like a conference of of just having tons of real estate investors in the same room and a lot of training going on that can accomplish the exact same thing. So if nothing else in October, go to Flip Hacking Live and you just go to fliphackinglive.com. Um, the other way is join a program like the one that I'm offering that's starting next month. If you go into that and bring your wife in with you in that, that can be helpful too. Um, my program is probably geared a little bit more for a little bit more experience than, than what you are right now. Um, but get yourself, go to a meetup, go to a local meetup or a local RIA. Those can be very, very helpful too. But you've got to immerse her in that in that world, right? Like give her more exposure than just you. But at the very least, if you can't get her to do that, at least ask for there to be no resistance. Like just ask if you can pursue this and if she'll support you silently even. Just like quiet support doesn't necessarily like cheer you on, but certainly doesn't drag you down when you're trying to do it. That alone, if you can do that and then you can kind of prove what you're telling her is true, 
my guess is she'll be right on board. And by the way, if she's afraid of losing money and money scares her, when you come home with a fifteen thousand, a twenty thousand, a thirty thousand dollar check that you made when you flipped a house or whatever it is you're going to do, that will go a long way to turning things around as well, right? So, money, money talks. Okay. Uh, next question is from Mike. Hey, Mike, how's it going, man? Uh, let's see. Is the four to five K a month just on radio ads or total budget spend? That's just radio ads. That's not our total budget spend. Um, our total budget spend, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head because we've been, some things have been fluid, but four to 5,000 for radio. Uh, I know that our budget for PPC, which is our best lead channel right now, our budget for that, I believe, is 14,000. But PPC, if you know anything about PPC, and if you don't, I'll briefly explain for people who don't know. PPC is more of an auction kind of a, a marketing strategy. It's a bidding system. So with direct mail, you can just send out 10,000 cards, right? And you know you're sending out 10,000. You know what the price will be. If you want to increase that by 50%, you send out 15,000 cards the next month, and you know what the price will be for that. When it comes to PPC, you have a budget. So it's sort of like you know, you, you go to Vegas and say, I've, I brought $1,000 with me and I'm just going to spend 1000 And when it's gone, it's gone. That's how PPC works. You establish a budget and then you bid on keywords. So when people type in, for example, sell my house fast in Michigan, like sell my house fast might be like a key phrase that people are bidding on. And whatever your budget is means that's how much you can actually bid on some of these phrases but when your budget has been hit for the month let's say i capped my budget at five thousand for example at some point in the month i would not be bidding and i would not be getting any traffic from that lead source because i would have spent all of my five thousand dollars and so optimally the best thing you can do when you're using ppc is establish a budget that is higher than what you think you're actually going to spend that way you know that you're bidding on words throughout the entire month and it never gets turned off because if you're if your budget's too low it will get turned off at some point and you will stop getting leads 100 from that lead source and so if you have the ability if you have the budget to to make a budget that has, you know, basically more money than you need, you'll never run out of uh, leads that month from that lead source. So it can be expensive. You know, most people charge, most companies will charge $1,500 or $2,000 to manage your PPC, right? PPC is not something that I recommend that you try to learn and do yourself. If you're not really already in that world and understand how to run a marketing uh, PPC ads from Google, if that's not you, then I don't think you should be doing it because it's a little bit too technical and it takes too long to get good at it, right? You may learn the basics, but chances are if you just learn the basics and you go try to do it yourself, you're going to waste more money than it would cost to have somebody do it for you. So I'm always a fan of having someone do it for you, but that's going to cost a couple thousand dollars a month just to manage it. And then a budget you know, of less than 500,000, or I'm sorry, 5,000, if your budget's less than 5,000 like to, for your bids, it's probably going to be real slow going and in, in, in some markets it'll be impossible to get anything in that market right so it depends on your market here in michigan you know we, we usually spend between 10 and twelve thousand a month on ppc but it's where we're getting all of our deals pretty much or most of them but if you're in a market that's not that competitive you might get away with four or five six thousand on on your ppc ads if you're in southern california or just other markets that are super hot you might have to spend fifteen or twenty thousand dollars every month just to get this, the results that I get, right? So it changes per market, but um, yeah, pay per click is is the way that we're making most of our deals. And the original question was the four to five k just for just for radio. Yes, it's just for radio. 
All right. Uh, Mike, follow up. Is the seven figure investor course a pre recorded course or is it live calls? Live calls. It is live calls with a QA at the end. So uh, it's me basically teaching, presenting, and teaching. And then at the end of it, you can ask as many questions as you want about what you just heard or anything else that you have going on. It's it's open for you to ask anything you want. Typically, people are going to ask and want to talk about what was just presented to them and what was uh, taught, but it's live and um, and we do Q&A at the end. So, you know, I've spent the last six years <clears throat> training and coaching and mentoring investors like myself because I hit a point in my career where I went from just doing a couple of deals and I wasn't dabbling on purpose, but I was essentially dabbling because I wasn't getting a lot of deals. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to scale. And I joined a mastermind. I, I had a mentor who sat me down and showed me what he did in his business to go from where I was to where I wanted to be. And he showed me what he did right, what he did wrong. And he kind of advised me. And honestly, I probably only bugged him for about a month. And then I put my head down and started working and started executing and blew my business up. And since I've done that, I've started training and mentoring other people. And I have trained and mentored at this point, thousands of investors and many of them going on to build the exact company they want. And I want to be clear, not everybody wants a seven figure company. I get that. Right. But if you learn how to build a seven figure company, Imagine how easy it is to have a six-figure company, right? You just have to do that stuff, but maybe not as much marketing. Maybe just don't push as hard. But I can show you in this program how to build and how I built and how I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of other people build seven-figure companies. I know exactly what you need to do. And, and so that's what this, this program is all about, is condensing all that knowledge that I've learned over the last six years. And by the way, these are people that I've coached and mentored who have paid $25,000 a year every single year to get exposure to the stuff that I'm going to be showing you in this course. So if you go to sevenfigureinvestor.com, the word seven, again, not the number, the word seven. If you go there and check it out, you can see it's an absolute fraction of that price. It's ridiculously low. And I'm going to show you exactly what it takes to build what I did to build a seven-figure company and what I've taught other people to do to do the exact same thing. Um, all right, next question. Uh, I have a team of six people who are working remotely, which works pretty well most of the time, but there are some things falling through the cracks. Do you have some apps that are working well for you to stay on top of things? How often are you having your team meet in person? So we used to be in person, an in-person company. We were, we would all go into the office. We all met, you know, we saw each other every day. We had meetings throughout the week when COVID hit or actually right before COVID hit, we left the office, the physical office, and we went virtual, hundred percent virtual. So we never meet in person ever. We have a meeting uh, for the whole team once a week where we go over all the deals. We talk about any challenges we're having, any marketing issues, any sales issues, any dispositions issues, um, just issues in general, right? We go through the whole business from start to finish. We do that on uh, Monday mornings. And so every Monday we meet, we don't meet other than that throughout the week, but you're having people like you you have six people who work remotely and you're saying it works pretty well most of the time some things are falling through the cracks what i suggest it's not more meetings it's not getting in person that's not going to change things falling through the cracks i've worked at companies that were all in person and tons of things fell through the cracks the way that you make or the way that you build a team and make sure that very listen there will always be some things that fall through the cracks i'm here to tell you no team is perfect but to minimize that and to get on top of it you really need to be measuring their performance 
weekly. And I'm not just talking about like sales and, and revenue. That's all like trailing, trailing KPIs. It's that stuff that's already happened. You can't manage to something that's already happened. What I suggest is that you start building a list of activity or active KPIs. Those are things like how many calls did your salespeople make, right? Not necessarily how many contracts did they close, but how many did they make? How many new people did they talk to you? When it comes to dispositions, how long did it take you to get a contract out to our buyer so they could take a look at it? How long did it take you to collect a deposit, right? For phone people, sometimes it's um, how many new appointments did you set? You know, things like that. So we, we track closely activity KPIs, activity metrics, because activities lead to results. I know that, and, and you probably know that too. You have a team, right? Activities lead to results. So rather than looking at results or, or thinking, how are these things falling through the cracks? Go back further down the downstream or upstream and start tracking their activities. But the fact of the matter is, if you have a certain person on your team who seems to be the one that's letting things fall through the cracks more than others, it becomes like a corrective action. You sit them down and have have a discussion about it. You know, you put them on a, a performance and improvement plan in in um, corporate. They call that a PIP. Put them on a PIP, performance improvements plan, and you talk about what's going on. You do that once or twice. The third time, they got to go. We can't can't keep people around that are missing things. So, especially when you have a remote team, there's a lot of you know fear that people have when they're running a business that their remote team is just watching TV all day and they're not actually doing work. Well you know if they're doing work, if you're tracking the activity. And then if the activity that they're saying they're doing doesn't match results, the activity is probably not happening or you've completely miscalculated what activity it takes to reach your result, right? So it's a bit of a process and you need some data points to know how much of this do I have to do to achieve this? But once you figure that out and it seems to stabilize, it's easy to train or to manage remote teams because I know if you do this, we will get this. And if we stop getting this, you're no longer doing this. And we have to have a conversation and maybe we have to let you go. Maybe it's not the right environment for you. Okay, Adam Whitney, what's up, buddy? Here's one of my besties, Adam. Um, activities lead to results. I love it. He just he just chimed in to support me. That's awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Activities absolutely lead to results. Anyone who tells you difference is crazy. And by the way, anybody who's just tracking results and things aren't working the way they want, you're completely blind to why it's not working. So yes, to Adam's point, 100% activities lead to results. Okay, uh, let's see, next question from Niju. In order to achieve a seven-figure company, what mindset shift did you have to make? It's a good question. It sounds like a lob. It sounds like you're like a plant, like you're asking questions I told you to ask, but you are not. So what mind shifts did I have to change? A lot, tons. I was, before I was really grew my business and scale it, I was only aware of what the people in my local market were doing and what they had done and what they had achieved. And so my mindset, a lot of things changed, but one of the things that had to change right away was what I thought was possible. Because what I saw that was possible in my local market was not at all what ultimately I found out is possible. And so it was changing the people that I was spending time with in business, putting myself in rooms with people who are far more successful than me. So I could see and I could conceive something way beyond what I ever thought. So some of it is just like, you have to believe that you can get where you want to go. And you have to believe that dreaming big is not silly or crazy that you can 100% do it. The other mindset shift though, was one of the big ones, was I didn't think I could hire anybody in my for, to work for me or in my company. I couldn't hire them because I wasn't a big enough company to actually start hiring people. And then I 
The other thing was, is, well, I can't become a big company because I can't do it all myself. I'm, I, I'm just one person. I can't get it all done. So I need to hire people. But then I thought I can't hire someone because I'm not big enough. Right. And it's like this circular logic that just keeps getting you nowhere. And so once I realized that I was in fact ready to hire people, because I've said this on this live and I've said it to a lot of people individually, if you're running a business of any kind, real estate's no different. If you're running a business and you start thinking, maybe I should hire someone. I'm, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I think I might be ready. I'm not. You're ready. And probably it's, it's late. You should have already done it. That's pretty much the rule of thumb in business. If when you start thinking you should hire, chances are you should have already made that hire. You're already behind. So I needed to hire people in my company. Once I started bringing people in, for example, before I hired a salesperson, I would go out on five appointments and I would talk to five sellers. And on average, I would get one contract from talking to five potentially ready to sell sellers, right? One contract. I hired a salesperson, a true salesperson who was really good at what he did. He would go out on five appointments, just like I would. He would get two or three appointments, two and a half to three appointments. I'm sorry, two and a half to three contracts on average. When you're talking about deals that net you fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, two Two deals versus one, three deals versus one, that's humongous. Stacked up over a year, that's great, right? And it was just one person that made a huge impact in my business, but I'm not the best salesperson in my company. So I knew that I needed to hire someone who was great at sales and they helped me kind of blow it all up. So that that was a huge mindset. Hiring people and managing people. And then, you know, the reality is what gets you to where you are is not going to get you to where you want to go. Meaning, if you're just one person and you're, say, you're a house flipper and you flip, you know, five houses a year, you're not going to get to 50 houses doing what you did to get to five. It takes a different approach. Just like we talked in the beginning, the market can make you, maybe make you change your, change your approach, but your goals will make you change your approach. A five house a year company never becomes a 50 house a year company without changing their organization, without hiring, without delegating, without creating processes and systems. All those things were foreign to me. I was doing it all and I was kind of doing it in a very inefficient way, but that's how that's how I knew to do it. I didn't know any better way. So I had to shift my mind on what was possible, not only with revenue and growth and what I could be, but also what was possible just on my own team. Could I build a team and would they come and work? Would they care what they were doing? Would they would things fall through the cracks, right? Stuff like that worried me, but I had to get past that. Those are the biggest mind shifts probably. Um, okay, last question, and I think I'm gonna call it for the night. If you have a question, you're live, Ask it quick if you want it, because I'm going to, I'm going to, after this question, I think we're going to end it. Okay. Next question. I keep getting outbid for properties that I want to buy and flip, and I'm getting frustrated and unmotivated. Do you have some advice? Yes. Uh, I don't know where you're making offers. If you're making offers on the MLS, uh, it's going to be tough. You need to make more offers for sure. If you're making them off market, like direct mail or some other, you know, text messaging or some other, other method like that, it all boils down to really the same thing. If you're going on the MLS and that's where you're making all your offers, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible. It's just a tough market. Everyone is getting way over asking. It's just a, it's an insanely hot seller's market. Very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to get deals off the MLS. If you're off market though, if you're going direct to seller, you need to do more of that too, right? It just, it's a volume thing, unfortunately. And if you're getting, here's what I try to do, and you have to try to look at this way. If you've ever played like Monopoly, right? How, how upset do you really get if you lose a, a property or if someone has something that you, like you just move on, right? It's, it's just toy money and it's a game. 
And that's a mind shift too, right? So if you look at this as a game and you say, I've talked to, I've made five bids. I got, I got outbuilt on all five of them and I'm frustrated. The way I would look at that is, well, then five bids isn't enough. I need to make 10 bids or 20 bids because eventually it'll get accepted. I'm just not making, I'm not going up to the plate and taking enough swings, right? We all are getting outbid at times in this market. We just are, it's just the way it is. So the volume of whatever you're doing, the intensity of what you're doing has to go up. It just has to, because it's gonna take more reps to get that hit. You can't, you can't do it with just a few. Uh, okay, Adam, my buddy. Adam, why should flippers make an offer on every wholesale deal regardless of ask price? It's a great question, and this is exactly how you can hack into getting more deals from wholesalers that other people aren't getting. Here's what happens. I'm a wholesaler, right? We put deals out, we put offers out to our buyers every week, and we ask a lot for them. Sometimes more than we think we're going to get. But here's the deal. Sometimes we get it, okay? Sometimes we don't. We put an we put a house out and maybe we think realistically we'll get 100 for it from a buyer. But we put it out for 125, for example. And we put it out for 125, most house flippers will look at that in their email and they'll say that's way too much. They'll delete it and they'll go on to the next property or they'll run their numbers and realize they can't offer more than, you know, 100. And and they'll they'll delete it and move on. But the reality is, from a wholesaler's perspective, if you make an offer of 100, even though I put it out for 125, for example, no one wants it at 125. I kind of knew it was high. I have to remarket that if I want to get interest in it at a lower price. Or I can call you and say, hey, Adam, you bid 100. You said you'd give me 100 for this. I can't do 100. Can you do 110? You say, I, I can't do 110. It's way too high. The best I can do is 105. And I say, great. And we sell the deal, right? You were top of mind. I didn't have to go and find you. I didn't have to remarket it. I didn't have to dig through my emails. You're staying top of mind because you're making offers when no one else did. Or listen, I put that offer out there. You may, let's say I got it for a hundred under contract for a hundred. I want to sell it for 110. The best offer I get is yours. And it's the only offer and it's 95. I got the contract for a hundred. You offered 95. Nobody else offered anything. Now I can go back to the seller and say, Mr. Mrs. Seller, you know, we had this conversation. I told you I may have to come back for a lower price. If I couldn't make it work, I have to come back for a lower price. I need to go down to 90. Can you do 90? I can say that with confidence because Adam made an offer of 95. And then I go back to Adam and I'll be honest. This is what I'll do. I'll say, Adam, you bid 95. I can't do 95. Can you do 100? And he'll say, I can't do 100. I can do 98. And I'll say, great. Right. I made more than I thought I was going to make from a low offer, but it's because he made an offer. If he never made that offer, I'm never calling Adam. He's never getting that deal. Wholesalers hate it when they get no offers because they don't know what to do. They don't know if they can go back to the seller and lower the cost or if it's just a deal that's never going to work. So you making an offer not only helps us understand where the market is, it also puts you in the front line, front, you know, front of the line for people that we're going to call back and try to do business with. So 100% you should be making offers on everything, everything, unless some wholesaler sends you something and you look at this house and say, I wouldn't take it for free. If you wouldn't take it for free, don't make an offer, right? You're never going to buy it. It doesn't matter. But if it's a house you would want at some price, make an offer on every single thing. I promise you, you will get deals. When you make low offers, you'll get deals, even from wholesalers, 
because you're making offers and no one else is. They're just deleting them and move on. Trust me, I know that's what you're doing. If you're a flipper out there and you've never heard me talk before, and this is the first time, I guarantee you're deleting deals where you think the wholesaler is, is crazy and they're asking way too much. The reality is, as a wholesaler, we don't always think we're going to make what we ask. We ask in case we get it. If we don't get it, we'll lower from there. And we're always going to go to the first people who made offers. So that's my advice. It's awesome question, Adam. And uh, I know you're killing it down there. So in Tennessee, so I'm sure you're doing that. You've heard me say it enough times. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. I appreciate it. It's all the time I got. Uh, I'm here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Please go and check out my program. It's Seven Figure Investor. The word seven spelled out, sevenfigureinvestor.com. Dot com. Go check it out. I want to see you inside that program. I want to help you grow your business this year. 2022 just started. We have plenty of time and I can absolutely get you there, but you have to raise your hand and opt into the program so that we can get it going. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay, until next time.